Hello, Hype Woman listeners. In this next episode, we talk about shoot your shot. According to the website Urban Dictionary, shoot your shot means to let go of your pride and pursue someone you're interested in. Yeah, we'd love to hear some of those stories. But what I'm really talking about is to take this chance, no matter if you fail or not. And um, maybe you've done this before, maybe you haven't. Um, in this episode, I tell you about my experiences of how I shot my shot. And um, yeah, have a listen. Let me know what you think and share your stories on social media with us. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to this new episode. How's everyone doing? Have you guys been enthralled by the latest episode of Bridgerton? How crazy is it to see a brown-skinned woman on mainstream TV? Yay, Shonda Rhimes! So my six-year-old, Noelle, watched some of the early parts of the show and I wanted her to get to see the ball gowns and, and also just to see some Indian women on the screen. Because, you know, we, we live in Germany and we don't get to see many brown women on TV. So, yeah, I wanted her to see what I wish I could have seen growing up. And for most of you who, who know what it's like, like if you're a minority and you don't see any of yourselves being represented, like that has a huge impact on your own self-esteem growing up. Because you start a question, you know, like, do I belong in these spaces? And so anyway, my six-year-old, she went on to say, Mommy, why are the girls not wearing jeans and a t-shirt? And I said, I don't know. I, I don't think that there were any jeans and t-shirts back then. The girls were only allowed to wear dresses. And she says, oh, that's mean. And then I add, the girls were also supposed to get married to boys. And she replies, Oh, that's really mean. To which she adds, Mommy, in the old days, the girls also had to do things for everyone else. And that's sad. So yeah, <laughs> trust a six-year-old to see through the romance of the Regency era. Anyway, back to the title for this show. Something that I've always wanted to do for months now. How to shoot your shot. Because I love when people share their stories of how they get a new position or secured a new client or just by being the first one to reach out and offer their services. Later on, I will share some of my own experiences of the time that I took the initiative. But first, here's some of the things that stop women from shooting their shot. Have you ever thought about the way we were socially conditioned? sometimes stops us from being bold. Think back to how you grew up. What was your social conditioning like? How I grew up was kind of very conservative. I was always told that girls shouldn't be loud. A girl could be smart. She should have the best grades at school. She could get a law degree. But don't be outspoken because... That's, it's not so easy to tell a smart girl what to do. And each time I strayed a little out of that line, I was reminded of what a big mouth I had and how I'm like CNN, always broadcasting what I was told. <laughs> and 
hand, yes, you can see that didn't age very well. So when I started my podcast, the negative views inside my head would tell me things like, but you don't have a great sounding voice. There's so many other podcasts out there. You have no authorities. So who are you to tell other women about empowerment? And yet, I also knew that if I didn't start my podcast, other women like me, women of color, women who have moved countries, women who share a minority view living in foreign lands, need to hear stories of transitions, stories of how they raise their biracial kids and what to do. What do other women tell themselves to navigate new parts of success in a culture that they don't understand? So for me, the need to tell the story that changes the dominant narrative was greater than my own insecurity of hating the sound of my voice. You find that I go on about how we need to see more women in leadership because our daughters need to see what is possible for women. When you don't see it, you don't believe it. And so then now when you actually do see it, this becomes yet another option for you, something that you can normalize. For a lot of women in lower positions, there's also this fear of asking for what you want because in a lower position with lower income, the little that you have is already a lot to lose. So we tend to play it safe. But for those women that that actually get to rise up the corporate ladder, there's also a battle of insecurity because now that you enter into the space, you have no template of what it's like to be this woman who wants success because you haven't seen it before. I mean, I don't know about you, like my mom got married when she was 16. My mom didn't even finish school, let alone enter into university. So, you know, like for me, I've already broke through so many generations, yeah, generational barriers. So there's a huge for women of color, especially where structurally the corporate world has always been rigged as an old boys club. And so for them, the confidence and the opinion of a white man is praised and it comes naturally. It is normalized. And I don't know how many times I've been in meetings when women make suggestions that are overlooked, but then a guy will make the same suggestion and he will get the credit for it. So yeah, assertiveness is not acknowledged or recognized while male colleagues share the success of those ideas. Anything different like a minority woman's voice, we will experience microaggressions reminding us that we're out of line. For a lot of women, it's the fear of rejection that stops us from putting ourselves out there or even a lack of confidence. Like, what will others think of me? Maybe you're at a party with a room full of people and you're with your spouse and he's the only one you know. I get it. That can be intimidating. So I remember when I first moved to Germany and I was always the outsider. I mean, I was the only brown woman in the room. I used to feel a mixture of fear and excitement because on the one hand, 
I wanted to see people. I wanted people to accept me and to include me, but I also needed to be agreeable. But on the other hand, I had this excitement that I could speak my mind because I actually didn't care what some of these people thought of me. And it's, you know, it's, it can be daunting and I get that. But what I learned was that by asking myself what's really stopping me from speaking out, was I afraid that I might upset people by being true to myself? Did I really need validation from people who are no smarter than me? No, of course not. Nobody needs external validation. I also learned to accept that I was never going to fit in. And so this made it easier for me to speak my mind and and to really trust that it's all going to be okay. You have to allow your curiosity to be greater than your low self-esteem. So how do we do that? When you know you have something powerful, something you need to offer, then follow that desire to ask, to initiate, and to take that step because you will never know unless you try. So there's been research that women are less assertive and less willing to advocate to advocate a challenging position than men. For instance, women are far less likely to negotiate. Perhaps this reluctance is justified as women are often punished for engaging in more forceful behaviors. Think about kids on the playground. Girls are taught to obey the rules, and with boys it's almost accepted that they break the rules, and it's normal because, hey, boys will be boys. For these reasons, one might expect that women should also withhold their improvement-orientated ideas more often. For instance, many women withhold their input more when, ex- when speaking to male bosses. With men occupying these executive positions, this would make it difficult for mo- women to speak up to the most senior managers, but easier if their input is directed to those in mid-level management positions, which are more likely occupied by other women. Another possibility is that women hold back about certain issues. Research shows that women find it more difficult than men to negotiate for themselves, yet they are more comfortable and more effective negotiating on behalf of others. And I think that this is because women have been conditioned to be more altruistic and less self-centered. Brings me back to what my child said about Bridgerton, the woman doing things to help others. But here's the thing, right? Nobody has the confidence of how anything will turn out. But you can muster up the courage or the confidence to try. And here's my story. So many of you, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know that I'm a huge fan of Rob Bell. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's a New York Times bestselling author, he's toured with Oprah, and I've listened to his podcasts throughout the pandemic, watched some of his Numa videos and read his books, and he just strikes me as someone that I would love to have a conversation with. So every time my uh, my husband asks me, who would you love to have on your podcast? And sometimes I'll say Oprah, sometimes, you know, like it depends who I'm intrigued with in that moment. 
I don't really have a list. But I remember around about a year ago, I kept getting this nagging feeling that I should reach out to Rob Bell and invite him as a guest on Hype Woman because he has this way of setting me free with my own mental hangups. Also, I was in this process of writing my book and at the time I loved how Rob Bell told stories. I mean, like he's a 50-something-year-old white man from California who's who loves surfing and whenever he shares his stories, I, an Indian South African woman in Germany, can relate. So how crazy is that? So you can imagine that he obviously does something different when he shares a story. And I was just curious of how our conversation would actually pan out. So last year, it must have been like 3 a.m. one morning, I had this crazy idea to invite Rob onto my podcast. And at the time, I had attended a few of his online courses. I thought, maybe he remembers me. Maybe not. So, I mean, 3 a.m. For new moms, this is this is usually the time we feed our babies. And that's also when my brain farts usually happen. So I was up feeding my six-month-old baby and I couldn't shake off this feeling to send this email. So I sent an email and I had no idea if I'd get a response. The next day I checked my email, no response, obviously. And then I forgot about it. And if that was all I needed to do to honor this, this, this idea in my head to do something, you know what, great, I did my part in following that gut feeling. And then three months later, again, 3 a.m. in the morning, I don't know what it is about 3 a.m., but I was feeding my baby and checking emails, and in my inbox, I see the name Rob Bell with the words, yes to your podcast in the subject line. So at first I thought, you know, it's 3 a.m., maybe I misread it. My husband was working that night on night shift, so I was alone and the kids with the kids and I couldn't really trust my eyes. I remember my heart skipped so many beats and I was like, is this a lack of sleeplessness? Am I still tired? Am I hallucinated? And then I sent the screenshot to my husband because, wait, Rob Bell actually responded to my request. And I didn't get any sleep for the rest of the night. So it was, it was, you know, like this mixture of excitement and tiredness and like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do now? But I mean, that could have also went another way. The worst thing that could have happened was that I didn't get any response and that I never asked in the first place. And I always wondered, what if... Maybe you get invited into a deeper discussion or you get the raise you want or you create an awareness of what you want to achieve by taking that first step and shooting your shot. And here's another story. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was still in school, but I used to write for the local newspaper back then. And I tell you, I loved interviewing people even back in the 90s. And I, I lived in Durban, so that's my hometown in South Africa. Most people know about Cape Town or Johannesburg, but Durban, 
Bremen is a small seaside city and everybody knows each other or you get to know each other eventually. So anyway, there was the South African film producer and he was famous for being somewhat international and he would bring famous singers and actors to South Africa and it was just crazy for me because this was a guy who grew up in the same neighborhood as me, went to the same high school as me and during the apartheid years... He, had about the same opportunities as every other brown and black person in South Africa. And yet somehow, somehow he cracked the code. He, he, was, he found a way to rise above his circumstances and decided that he was going to make movies. I mean, making movies for an Indian person, that was, that was just completely not normal. That was something that white people did. So he went on to make the Nelson Mandela movie Long Walk to Freedom. And this this completely fascinated me. Just how he got this idea to do this, that it was going to become like his career. And I decided that I was going to reach out to him for an interview. And I think back in those days, we used to dial up to use the internet. Do you remember? So I remember coming home from school. I sent him an email or sent his people an email, and then I would follow up by calling his office like maybe one time each week. And I think I carried on doing this for like a few months until one day his assistant, and I still remember his name was Tim, he finally put me through. And I, I got so nervous that I actually forgot what I wanted to, stay, to say. And I just like totally stammered, stammered. And when I eventually got to speak to him and ask him for an interview, I was able to meet him at the cinema in his office and that was just crazy like that that whole experience of meeting someone that you really really inspires you like it just does something to your brain and I remember thinking like oh my goodness if this is possible like so many other things can be possible I can actually achieve my dreams and then that interview got published and another crazy thing that happened was when that happened, I it kind of became like the school celebrity reporter kind of thing. And I was not the best student in English. Like my, my English teacher, she, I think she low-key despised me. And I remember when that was published, like she said to me, did you really write that article? And I responded, well, what does the byline say? And, you know, like that was my comeback. It was a bit cheeky, but yeah, what else, you know, what else could I have said? And what happened next is that I remained in contact with, his name was Anand Singh. And when I finished school, I even got to work there at his office during, you know, during the semester breaks at university, just learning the ropes of PR and communication. And this was like before the days of social media. And and through his his connections through his relationships I got to meet Nelson Mandela because of him and I learned so much about the movie industry about PR just being able to create new parts in business just by observing the day-to-day business at his company and I remember like I, I would be there and like famous people from Hollywood would call and and speak to him and sometimes I would answer the phone and he would like say to me like make conversation, like just have have an opinion. So recently when I visited South Africa, he sent me a copy of his memoir. 
which was titled Anansing in Black and White, a memoir, with a personal message thanking me being, for being a part of his journey. And to me, like none of this would have happened had I not initiated or persisted with calling his office for that interview. So yeah, if this resonates with you, if you have been unsure or afraid to take the first step to change something in your life, do it. Do it now. Be the change you want to see in this world. You want to make a movie with dark brown women in the lead, especially after thousands of years being sold a narrative that nobody finds dark-skinned women attractive. You go all Shonda Rhimes and celebrate that thing that is counter-cultural. By the way, did you hear how Anthony called her by her South Indian name, Kanthani, at the end of season two? Oh my god, forgive me, I can't stop smiling. So, if women who want to see change, it starts with us getting comfortable with being disliked for, bre for breaking the mold, for stepping out and speaking up. If you want to raise, make your case and go ask for it. If you experience some kind of injustice and nobody wants to speak out, do it. If you don't get the change you want, at least you will bring awareness. If you think your company's work culture needs more empathy, initiate a program or workshop. In a previous episode, I interviewed Sarah Meyer. She's a working mom who returns to work and realizes that parents at work need support. So she started a peer-to-peer -peer coaching program. Normalize women being assertive. Go shoot your shot and tell us all about it because I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear if you've done something that changed the space around you. If you've made the first move, I'd love to hear more and we'd love to share it for more women to get inspired. Follow us on LinkedIn, on social media. It's Hype Woman, the podcast. Take care and celebrate yourself.